Well, if you would, uh, take your Bible. We're in Matthew chapter 6, and we are going to look at a portion of Scripture that is well known. Now, we're looking at the body, you know, the entire body of the Sermon on the Mount, which began in chapter 5 and goes through the end of chapter 7. We're in chapter 6, and we've come upon that uh, place within the Scriptures where we, where we come on to the Lord's Prayer, which is commonly called the Lord's Prayer, and we'll talk about that, that phrase in a moment. But, uh, you know, I have, uh, I have been um, in, in places and occasions where I'd be called upon to pray, and it would be in a, in a crowd of predominantly unbelievers where they would be the ones who would say, you know, hey, at the, at the end of this, would you, would you be willing to lead everyone in the Lord's Prayer? It's, it's kind of interesting that even even unbelievers, some some of them are acquainted with the Lord's Prayer, and they find some bit of of, of comfort uh, in uh, in being able to either recite it or to hear it. And so uh, uh, it's it's obviously for us it's uh, it's well known. But first, you know, first question out of the box: should, should we should we actually call this the Lord's Prayer? Um, that's what it's been called, and uh, not saying that there's anything wrong with that. Um, it is the Lord's Prayer one of two ways, and, and we need to ask which way is it, okay? Uh, is it the Lord's Prayer uh, in that it's a model of prayer that our Lord would pray? Or is it the Lord's Prayer in that it's a model of prayer that he gives to his disciples to pray? L- let's read it, and as we read it, I want you to just look at it and see if you know, wh- which way would you go? Is it is it a prayer that we would find our Lord praying, a model that He would pray, or one for us to pray? Look at verse nine. Pray then like this: Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, which one is it? it, 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 it okay, it's, it's the Lord's Prayer, either in that it is a model prayer that our Lord prays, the Lord's Prayer, hence, or is it the Lord's Prayer in that it is a model prayer for his followers, for his believers? And which, which way is it? And anything in that prayer that would help you? To decide, okay, oh. okay, it's, it's a model, model for, model for us. Any anything else in there that, right? Okay, is there anything in that prayer though that would help you to decide whether it's a prayer that our Lord would pray or for us to pray? Okay, okay, anything else, Dale? Yeah, Dale, Dale said he doesn't have any debts, right? In other words, it would be impossible to imagine that this prayer is a model prayer that Jesus would pray. It says, forgive us our debts. The sinless Son of God has no debts. And so while it is not wrong to say that it's the Lord's Prayer, that's, I mean, that's the way it's been identified for years, I just need to understand in what way is it the Lord's Prayer. It, we, could, we, we could say that it's the Lord's Prayer in that our Lord instructs us how to pray. So we could say it that way. On the other hand, it might be a good idea to call it 
the disciples' prayer, <laughs> you know, because it's, 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 it's a prayer for Christ's disciples. In fact, in the book of Luke, in the book of Luke chapter 11, this prayer is recorded again, and it is preceded by the disciples saying what? Teach us to pray, okay? And so then the prayer is given. And we don't, we don't see that same lead-in here in Matthew's gospel, but in Luke's, we see the lead-in. The disciples are, teach us, teach us how to pray. And he said, okay, I'll teach you how to pray. And so and he gives them this prayer. And so nothing wrong with calling it the Lord's Prayer as long as we understand that this is not a prayer that we could conceive our Lord praying himself. Like, you know, let, let's say like before he, before he went to bed at night, you know, and he's down and prays the Lord's Prayer. You know, we, eh, can't see that, but we can see us praying it, right? Okay. Before we, we're going to take this, not all at one time, by the way. We're going to, tonight, tonight we're going to look at the phrase, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're going to take that much tonight, that's all. But to lead up to that, I want you to notice, if you have your notes, you'll see this. There's six petitions in this prayer. Uh, the first three have to do with God's glory. The remaining three are for our well-being. Just some helpful ways to look at this prayer. It's, it, it, it's uh, you know, Jesus, again, Jesus is giving. He's, he's, he, he's been asked, teach us to pray. Okay, uh, good instruction here. The first three petitions have to do with God. There's no, there's no rushing into prayer with, you know, a bag full of petitions for our well-being. First, it starts with God's glory. Then the remaining three are for our well-being. Then you see five concepts. One, worship of the Father, uh, the kingdom of the Father, uh, the sustenance of the Father, the grace of the Father, and the protection of the Father. So you know, there's the worship of the Father, which is, you know, hallowed be your name. Then there's the, the, the kingdom, which is your kingdom come. And the sustenance, give us our daily bread. Um, the grace, you know, forgive us. And then the protection, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, the first thing we want to call our attention to and just spend a few minutes with is the pronoun in verse 9. when It says, pray then like this. And it says, our. Let's start with that. The pronoun, our. First thing, we want to point, point out that um, not only with our, but what, uh, what other word? And, and uh, Paula, you, you mentioned it a moment ago. You said, what, 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 what was it? Us. Okay. Through, throughout the prayer, we have our and us. What we, what we don't see is my or I. Okay? That's fairly interesting, okay? If, if words mean anything, and they do, words mean things. Uh, I remember uh, <laughs> uh, this, this lady, I'm not going to say any names here because there's people watching on Facebook Live. And <laughs> uh, it was this lady. It's been years ago. Uh, this person is deceased. But anyway, um, she became aware that she might be coming into a large sum of money. And so she called one of her children and began, as, as they picked up the phone, she began, she began saying, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. It wasn't 
we are rich <laughs> as a family, you know. She called one of her children, you know. It wasn't we are rich. It wasn't like we're going to share in this. It was I am rich. Words mean something, right? <laughs> so right off the bat, let's notice our Father in heaven. It, it doesn't start out when Jesus, when they said, teach us to pray, Jesus doesn't say, well, here, here's a way, personalize it. Say, my Father. Now, I'm not, not suggesting there's anything wrong with that, okay? Not suggesting that at all. Just, just looking at this prayer, though. That's what we're doing tonight. We're just looking at this prayer. It's interesting that it's our, not mine. What does this imply? Well, it at least implies this. When we enter into relationship with the living God, we enter into a relationship with his people. When we enter into a relationship with the living God, when we are adopted into the family of God, when we are part of the household of God, the family of God, we must be aware that we enter into a relationship with his people. Our, us, that, that needs to be a, a, a keen reality in our heart and in our mind. When we are saved by Christ, we are saved into his body, the church. See, we tend to think, about nearly everything, only as it relates to us. And, and that's part of our, uh, could we say that's part of our fallenness? It's part of our, our selfishness? We, you know, we, 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 you know, I'm rich, I'm rich. <laughs> you know, we, we tend to think about me, how this affects me. But do, do you see here that even when we pray by ourselves, even when we're praying by ourselves, we must pray with an eye toward and with love for Christ's church. Now, that, that brings in, you know, that, that, just that concept alone bring in a whole different way of thinking about praying. You know, our, our Father, uh, us, we pray with an eye toward and with love for Christ's church. So that's the first thing, just to, just, to notice, just to notice that, our and us, not my or I. Now, the first part of this prayer addresses God the Father. Notice it says, our Father in heaven. Now, I often hear, I've heard this you know, many different times, you use the word um, theology. And it's funny, people, people, I've heard people say, I don't care nothing about no theology. Just give me Jesus. Well, uh, how are you going to really understand Jesus without theology? Because theology is this. Theology is how we think about God. There's good theology and there is what? Bad theology. In other words, in other words if, if I think, let's say I, I, let's say I set off on thinking about God. I'm going to... I want to think about God. I want to understand God better. And I think, I think God is a God of love. Um, I think, I think that he doesn't, I think that all he's about is love. He doesn't care who you love. You love who you want because God is love. If, 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 if two men want to love one another and consummate that love in marriage, then I think that's okay because God is love. Now, what is that? That's bad theology. Theology is how we think 
about God. You see, our theology will determine our practice or how we live our lives. You, you, can, you can always bet on that. If, you're, if your theology, depending upon your theology, was good or bad, it's going to determine how you live out your life. And also, we find here, it will determine how you pray. Okay? So that, that's the first thing. Our Father in heaven, it, how we think about God is going to determine how we pray. Uh, well, you notice also that this prayer, and I'm, I know I'm jumping you know, from the beginning to the end, but I, I, I need to put this in here. Did you notice that this prayer does not end with the phrase, in Jesus' name, amen? Did, did, you, did you notice that? Our theology, our theology or how we think about God, or our, 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 put it another way, our understanding of God will determine, it'll, it'll affect our prayer life. This prayer does not end with the phrase, in Jesus' name, amen. Just, 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 just saying, okay? Just, just want you to notice. notice this because remember, Jesus is asked by his disciples, teach us to pray. And he, he doesn't start it off and then end it with, by the way, every prayer you pray must be, you must say in Jesus' name or through the name of Jesus. Now, don't, don't, don't look at me that way. You're looking at me like, whoa, you know. I'm just, I'm just pointing this out is all. I'm just pointing this out. And, and, and here's something I read by John Stott, and I think, I think he's right on. To address God as Father is to pray in Jesus' name. Now, why, why is that true? To address God as Father is to pray in Jesus' name. Why would that be true? He goes on to say this. How can we, how could we, printed wrong in my notes. How could we claim for ourselves God as Father unless we have been adopted as children of grace in Christ? You see, in other words, he's saying we really cannot even credibly address God as Father without having been adopted by grace through Christ. In fact, in, in, in fact, if you'll just hold your place and turn over to the book of Romans and you look at chapter 8 and you see something I think would be helpful. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Uh, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. It is the spirit of adoption that enables us to cry out to God as Father. The only way we can truly know God as Father is through Jesus. And so to address God as Father is to pray in Jesus' name. See, we, you know, we, we, we don't want to think that somehow that by tagging every prayer with Jesus' name is somehow going to get it put on top of the list. <laughs> you know, like God's sitting there, if you picture God sitting there at the desk and all these petitions coming in and this one didn't have in Jesus' name. I'm going to put it over here. <laughs> but if, if you put it in Jesus' name, amen, it goes to the top of the list. I mean, we should, should think about it that way because Jesus doesn't end this prayer. So we need to think about why we use that phrase in the first place. What, you know, what, 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 what is behind the use of that phrase? And so to address God as Father, to know him as Father, is only possible, is only possible uh, through and in Christ's name. 
I, 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 don't, I don't know whether you've ever noticed this before, but uh, probably have. Uh, maybe, and, and look, none of us are the prayer police, okay? So don't get nervous I'm, you know, about what I'm going to say here because you, you, you might hear me when I, when I say you might think, I'm never praying around him before <laughs> or again. <laughs> That's not the point. Um, so, sometimes you can listen to prayers. And just, prayers just are, are, are such a blessing. I, I, you know, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but uh, my wife, I've heard others talk about this. It's not embarrassing daily, but I've heard, heard them say, you know, it, it's such a joy to hear Dela pray, you know. And so there's a benefit from hearing other people pray, but there's also other things you can learn about people praying. You know, sometimes you, 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 can, you can hear this awkwardness of kind of like a, uh, 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 God. Uh, you, can almost, you, you can almost think, all right, hmm, hmm. It's, it's almost like, you know, I don't really know you. <laughs> I, you know, I hope you know me. Uh, this, you know, this, this awkwardness and this inability maybe, even this inability to say, Father, see? So that may, that may, be, that may be telling a lot, you know, to, to, to just this inability to, to address God as Father, but you'll be able to, you know, kind of speak of him as some generic general God. It might indicate that one does not have the spirit of adoption might indicate that this person hasn't been born again. You know, it really might. Think, think about how this helps us. By addressing God as Father helps us to realize our standing in Christ before we proceed in prayer. Just, just that alone, you know, you, you say, our Father. Already that, you know, that reality is communicating something before you end up, you know, un- unleashing all the rest of the prayer. It reminds us of our standing in Christ. You know, I, I know God knows me as His son or as His, as his daughter. Um, I'm one of His children. Um, Michael Reeves put it this way: "To know you are a beloved child of God protects you from thinking of prayer as a ladder to God or an exercise by which you work your way into His favor." And see, that's exactly what Jesus was addressing. In the verses we looked at last week, this, this, this awkward kind of or this religious kind of using a lot of words and, 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 and uh, linguistic gymnastics to try to get God's attention, his favor. Uh, this is, you know, w- w- when we say, and, and by the way, when we, you know, G- Jesus is, is teaching us about prayer, okay? He's, he's been asked, teach, teach us how to pray. And so he starts out with, okay. Here's the way you start, our Father. This is not about proper etiquette. This is not Jesus saying, hey, you've got to get this etiquette right. That's not at all what he's saying. Uh, this has to do with a proper frame of heart and mind. Our Father. N- know, knowing, knowing God as our Father, uh, relating to him, like we talked about last week, the, the relation is a, of a father and a child rather than an employee an employer. So, let's take a moment to look more specifically at the concept of father. In Jesus' day, uh, for, for him to speak of God as father, most of you probably know this, was very revolutionary. In other words, we look at it now, and we, it doesn't raise an eyebrow to us. But when Jesus spoke this in the first century, it was, you know, it was revolutionary. Like, what? Speak of God as father? What? See, in the Old Testament, God is referred to as a father only 14 times, and it is always as the corporate father of Israel, 
never individually or personally. Think about that. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament concept was, you know, he's a father of Israel, but to, to address God as our father, no way. Yet this is, this, is, this is how Jesus refers to God as father. The four Gospels record Jesus using father more than 60 times in reference to God. So this is important. What we're looking at is really important. No one in history had prayed like Jesus is instructing his disciples here. So that's revolutionary. Nobody, nobody has been instructed to pray like this until now. And while Jesus is the unique son of God, we, through Christ, are adopted into the family of God. Again, and that is why that we can speak of God as our father. Now, the thing we need to guard against... And the thing that we're not talking about here is what has often been referred to as the universal fatherhood of God. Uh, what does that mean? Not, not everyone is a child of God in the sense of salvation. Or maybe I can say it better this way. In one sense, according to the book of Acts, in one sense we are all the offspring of God. In a, in a general sense, all of humanity is an offspring of God. However, the Bible does make a distinction between the children of God and the children of the world. Okay? And we want to, want to look at that quickly in 1 John chapter 3. Okay? 1 John chapter 3. When we pray, Our Father in heaven... We are not declaring the universal fatherhood of God as if God is father to all. In 1 John chapter 3, and verse 1, So see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. There's a distinction here, notice, between the world and the children of God. Uh, so not, not everyone is a child of God. And I think probably more clearly than any we find in John chapter 1, in the Gospel of John chapter 1, most of you know this verse by heart, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The only way that we become a true child of God in a, in a salvation sense is, is to receive Christ. And by receiving Christ, we're given the, the right, the privilege of being part of the family of God. So, again, this is not talking about the universal fatherhood of God. And I use that phrase because... That has been around for years. The the you know, you'll you'll hear it uh, often. You know, I've used I've used Oprah's name over and over and over again regarding this. But Oprah is one of many who will will say publicly that everybody everybody is a, a child of God. Well, again, in in what sense? In what sense? Not not in not in every sense. There's a distinction that needs to be made. I'm called upon to pray uh, quite often on Wednesday nights. Uh, not tonight, but most Wednesday nights, I leave here and I go to Gordon Food Service as a chaplain. And uh, 
I stop in on each different group and there's certain times when they are stretching and they're getting ready to go back to work and that sort of thing. And some of the groups will ask me to pray. And uh, almost always the, the vast majority of that group are just young unbelievers um, we have a you know we have a good friendship and, and they they appreciate me praying they ask me to do it but um, the context of the gathering will determine for me whether how I'll pray in other words in those kind of settings I don't start out with our father now why don't I why don't I not not everybody in the group knows God as father right and so I will do probably what you would do I I, I I might say, uh, Sovereign Lord, Almighty God, Merciful God in heaven. You know, I won't. I won't start out with our Father, depending upon, you know, the the, the setting that I'm in, because I, I don't. I don't want. You know, one, one. I don't think it would be appropriate, but I certainly don't want to do anything to lead that group to think universal fatherhood of God. <laughs> we're all we're all God's children. You know, our our Father. You know, so addressing the living God as Father recalls to us the unique privilege that we have been given as well as our standing. I, I, I brought something with me here from J.I. Packer, and I want to read this quickly. He said, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and, the, and better than the old, everything that is distinctly Christian as opposed to merely Jewish is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. So no surprise here that Jesus would say after being question would you teach us to pray he begins by saying our father now in relation to what we've seen so far in the sermon on the mount how does this fit well remember in matthew chapter 6 we, we looked at it in the first few verses jesus exposes the religion of the hypocrites and the pagans for what it really is ignorance of god see that, that that's how this that's how this prayer fits here in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has just been saying, you know, these, these religious hypocrites, they don't really, they don't really know God. They, they don't know him as Father. You see, the way that we speak in prayer underlines the fact of whether we know God as Father or not. So our praying can tell a lot about us. It can, you know, can reveal an enormous amount about us, really, but uh, it certainly would reveal whether we know God as Father or not. But notice next, it says, our Father in heaven, very quickly. Why, why is this here, you know? Uh, well, it, it, would at least, it would at least be here for this. It gives us the creator-creature distinction. Our Father in heaven. He is in heaven, and we are where? On earth. Okay? So just, just interesting there, it's our Father in heaven. Uh, it's, not, it's not our Father who, uh, you know, who's, he's part of the tree, he's part of the ocean, he's part of this, you know, the, this pantheistic idea of, you know, in one, in one sense, we, we can certainly say that, you know, this, this gets into, you know, the transcendence and the, uh, 
uh, eminence of God. You know, God, God is transcendent. He's beyond above his creation, but he also is, is near, okay? But Jesus makes it clear here that it's, it's, we shouldn't think about God as being, well, God's in the trees, and he's in the, the water, and he's in this. No, he's, he's our Father in heaven. That brings us to this one last piece that we need to look at for the next 10 minutes and we'll be done, is hallowed be thy name. What are we asking when we pray that God's name be hallowed or hallowed? What, what, are, we, what are we praying there? Anybody want to take a stab at that? What, what are we praying? Daily? Holy. Okay. We are, we are praying that God's name be hallowed or that his name be hallowed. Holy, and so let's let's take first this name. Okay, it says, "Let you know, hallowed be your name." Let's take that first. In the Jewish world, names were considered to indicate character. Most of you know that. And let me just read a quick portion from Psalm. In Psalm twenty, verse seven, we read this: "Some trust in chariots, and some in horses, but we trust in the name." Of the Lord our God, so we trust. You know, we trust in the in the character of God. We trust in who God is, uh, not 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 who the king is, not who the princess is, not who the armies are. But but our trust is in the name and the character and the person of the living God. So, what would it mean for us for God's name to be hallowed? And 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 and. and, and if you think about this, and that's what I want us to do, think about this. In some way, this prayer may seem, this part of the prayer may seem a little illogical because isn't God's name already holy? It is. God's name is already holy whether we pray this or not. So in one sense, God's name is already holy because hallowed, as Dale stated, is, means to consider holy, to treat as holy, or to reverence. And so... In one sense, God's name is already holy, but Jesus says here, instructs us how to pray. We pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's a petition. We're, we're, we're asking. We're praying something. If his name is already holy, then uh, how are we to understand this? How are, we, how are we to make sense of this? Well, first, all true believers have God's name upon them. Okay, Let's start with that. All true believers bear God's name. And as name bearers, we represent a good, perfect, holy God. So, if we are praying, hallowed be thy name, we are at least praying this. Father, keep us from dishonoring the name by which we are called. We're at least, at, at the very least, when, when we're instructed to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, we're at least praying, we're asking the Father, Father, we bear your name. We bear your name in this world. We, we represent you. We, we, and you are good and you are perfect and you are holy. Will you please keep us from dishonoring the name by which we're called and the name which we bear? We, we would at least be praying that, right? Right? Shake your head yes or no, and so I'll know you're still awake. Okay. Okay, good. We're also praying that he would empower us to become ourselves 
good and holy. In one sense, again, one sense, we're already sanctified, holy, set apart. In one sense, we're already, but, but then also we're, we're instructed to live that out, you see. And so in one sense, we would also be praying uh, that we ourselves would live holy lives. It's a prayer that God's people would honor God with the Christ-likeness or holiness of their lives and that more and more people would honor God and call on his name. It also would mean this. It is saying to the Father, Father, may you be given that unique reverence that your character and nature as Father demands. Again, his name is already holy, but his name is it's what we bear. We can certainly dishonor the name or we can live in a God-honoring way. And also, again, it means may you be given that unique reverence that your character and nature as Father demands.